Great, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. We're going to be in chapter 8. So I think about things sometimes, and something that I've just been processing personally, because it's been really hard for me to get a grip on it intellectually, is last weekend we had our Salt and Light Central pastors gathering, and one of the pastors invited a friend that he'd recently met to it, so a local pastor in Winnipeg, who is from Eritrea, Eritrea, I'm mispronouncing that, it's a country in eastern Africa along the gulf there, and uh, God bless him. When he introduced himself, he says, I'm really happy to be here in Canada. If there's more than two Christians meeting where I'm from, you get shot. And so it's really nice to meet here in a country where you can do this. And you hear something like that, and you're just like, I don't have any clue what it means to be a Christian. Right? Like sometimes you meet somebody and you're like, wow, your life experience in the Lord is so different than mine. I'm going to have to change the way I think. Because I just met somebody who introduces themselves as, I'm really glad to be here in Canada so that we can have a pastor's gathering without getting shot. And it was really, it was just so weird, just how we would say it. Because we were talking about um, there's a, some land grab issues, potential land grab issues happening up in uh, Churchill. <laughs> this guy says, yeah, where I'm from, where the, if the government wants your land, they just shoot you. Again, different experience. But we're not, I'm not talking to someone who's like telling me about things that happened long ago and far away. This is just where they're from. Different. And so it makes me... Uh, think about the process of like, what do you do when truth hits you and you're going to have to change how you think? How you see the world. Or not, I guess. You could choose not to, except that that's reality for brothers and sisters. One of the interesting things they were saying is that even Canada, though, the, the problem now is that their kids are all going to secular schools and you know, you bring your kids from one country where it's not safe to another one where you could, they could lose their faith. It's almost sometimes the choice. Like, safer for your body here, but not safer for your soul here. If that makes sense. But that first part won't last. So I'm thinking about Jesus... And I'm thinking about how they killed him for talking. Okay? Um, Everybody knows Jesus was crucified. He was not crucified because he went around healing the sick and driving out demons and doing good to people. Nobody crucified him because he fed 5,000 one day. Nobody was upset at him, um, even for raising Lazarus from the dead, though they did want to kill Lazarus because he was making Jesus famous. They got mad at Jesus because he said things they didn't want to hear and then kept saying things they didn't want to hear and needed to stop him from saying things. They killed him for talking, even though he could have single-handedly met every single health care budget shortfall that the world could ever bring him. 
Like, how much would we need to spend on healthcare in Canada if there was a guy who could just think you better, which Jesus could? So they have this person who does unlimited healing and can fix any broken economy with unlimited fish and bread generating powers, but they couldn't let him live because of what he said. Right? And, and that's, that's us. People kill each other for what they say more than anything else. For saying things that are wrong or for saying things that make us feel wrong. This is where it goes. And so my, my title of the message today is, What kind of freedom are you looking for? And this is a really important question. And you have to answer this for yourself. Because if I know you, because you're a human being, you want to be free. Right? Yeah, we do. Why were we upset about the lockdowns? Why were we upset about the COVID stuff? Or the other stuff on either side? It was like, we want to be free. And that's something that's inside every human heart, the desire to be free. But how you define freedom and the kinds of freedoms you want will either kill you forever or grant you everlasting life. Says Jesus. And so we need to be clear what kind of freedoms we're looking for. So let's read a passage here. Hopefully I can make sense of what I'm talking about. Can you advance me, please? I've failed. All right. Here's the passage. This is from the Gospel of John. John mostly just has Jesus walking around, interacting with people, having conversations, um, through the first half of his, his gospel, and then he starts spending time with the disciples and he gets crucified. This is near the middle. So Jesus said to the Jews that believed in him, he just had this big argument with a crowd, and a bunch of people started to believe in him. These were good times. People were starting to believe. And one of the weird things about Jesus in the Gospel of John is it seems like every time he starts to get a bit ahead of steam, and like it's working, and the crowds are coming, he starts to try to get rid of them by saying offensive things. Just read it. He, he is not a success-driven pastor for the first section of his life. And part of the love in doing that is he knows everybody who comes to him, 99.9% of them are all coming to him for the wrong reason. And to really save them, he needs to confront them with their own self-deception about what they think they're getting from Jesus. With the hope that they repent and start wanting him for himself. Anyhow. It's so funny. I believe in you. No, you don't. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
Is that the kind of freedom you want this morning? The kind of freedom that comes from knowing the truth of Jesus, that comes from being his disciple, that comes from having his words abiding in you. And they answered him. So these are the ones who believed, okay? You tracking with me? These aren't the scumbags. These aren't the, like, Pharisees. These are the ones who were believing one second ago. And they answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone, which isn't even true. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear that if you're a physical descendant of Abraham, you're free no matter what. They don't want a worldview that if they're sinning, they are de facto, by definition, a slave to sin and not free sons of God. And then he gives them this warning. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So he's warning them that if you're just merely slaves, you can be bought and sold. And eventually the slaves are sold out of the house. Probably a warning of eternal destruction. Definitely a warning of uh, God handing over Jerusalem to the Roman Empire for destruction. So if the Son sets you free, says Jesus, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. And these are the very words of God. And I could keep going there. Maybe we will, but I've cut it off there for now. So you've got this situation... John likes to play with the word believe in his gospel because he knows there's lots of people who think they believe that don't believe. And so he has these situations where people believe, but then five seconds later, they want to murder the Christ. Because their idea of what it meant to be a believer in the one God would say is not lining up with the reality of the one God sent. And they want to get rid of their broken expectations and have the real one show up. And so John likes to play with this stuff. But Jesus, the thing we need to know about Jesus when he has these tough conversations with people, while he's offending people, he loves them. There's this one story that I think it's Mark that talks about it, the story of the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and he asks the question, what must I do to attain eternal life? So this is the freedom he wants. He, he wants the freedom to live forever. Maybe he just came from a funeral. I don't want that to be the last line in my story. I don't want to die. I don't want to be rejected by God. I want to live for. So what do I have to do for, to live forever? Jesus quotes to him uh, the second half of the Ten Commandments. And then he says, I've done this since my youth. What else do I need to do? And the scripture says, and I think it's in Mark. It says, Jesus looked on him and loved him and said, one thing is lacking with you. You need to sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And that's the most important part. You need to get me, says Jesus. And the rich young ruler goes away sad because his wealth was so great. His idea of what it meant to be free was not aligned with the freedom giver. And 
And when he found out what true freedom looks like, super disappointed because he wasn't going to get what he wanted. But I love it because it says Jesus looked on him and loved him. Friends, today you need to know Jesus loves you enough to reveal to you and me where what we want is bondage and slavery and disappointment and not the true freedom that the living God has for the sons and daughters of the Most High. It just sometimes feels like you're being robbed and like you're dying. But he loves us and wants us to be free. Can I just pray for a sec? He's a good freedom giver. He really does know how to set people free. Bobby, are you getting free? Were you a slave? What were you a slave to? Well, come on, give me one. You were a slave to alcohol. Did it own your life? Was it taking you places you never wanted to go? Are you free in Jesus now? Do you know he loves you? Do you have a hope in a future? Does your past define your present or no? Who defines your, your present and your future? Jesus does. And he, you can do whatever he wants you to do because you're free. That's right. Hey, has anybody else here gotten free from Jesus? Okay, what have you been made free by Jesus in? You've been made free from depression. So what's changed? Jesus, that's right. Did you have to let go of anything to get there? What did you have to let go of? You had to let go of bitterness. That's right. Does bitterness seem like a good idea at the time? It, bitterness seems like a good idea at the time because you're right and you're hurt. Right? It seems like a good idea at the time. I'm right and I'm hurt. Does it do, is, but were you free? You weren't free. You can be right, you can be hurt, but you won't be free. Because the Son will never lead you into bitterness. He leads us into forgiveness and freedom. Forgiveness is freedom. Forgiveness is freedom. Forgiveness is freedom. Anybody else? Okay, over here. How have you been set free by Jesus? So you don't believe that anymore because you have a shepherd now whose job is it to take care of people it's the heavenly father's job to be everybody's dad not your job to be everybody's dad and you're free you're free from having thinking you have to do what god wants to do amen okay one more person somebody else been set free okay shout it out loud you've been set free from religion so how did that work for you
Okay. Okay, so you start really having a real relationship with Jesus instead of just depending on often the judgment or avoiding the judgment of people. True? That's freedom. To realize at the start of your day and at the end of your day, it's about what Jesus thinks, not what other people think. At the beginning of your life, you get forgiven for everything. We call it justification by faith. You believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. You believe that he died for your sins. God, as a free gift, gives you all the righteousness of Jesus. He clothes you in the goodness of Jesus. He smothers you in the awesome works of Jesus. He armors you with the competency and the accomplishments of Jesus, though you have not earned it. And you have this weird thing in your brain where you're just like, I still feel like a piece of junk. But God says, yeah, I can still see that. I understand why you feel that way. But you're gifted the righteousness of Christ like Iron Man. You're enclosed in bionic armor that makes you defended from the arrows and the schemes of the enemy. And stronger than you could ever be on your own in the power of the Holy Spirit. You start there. And then you have hard days. And then you end there. And everything in between is Jesus. If you want to be free, let The truth that Jesus has bought who you are with his blood define you. Okay? Well, thanks for the interaction. You guys have definitely warmed up the the crazy supercomputer of the church. We're functioning on full 164 bits of RAM. Where's the 128 bits? I always forget how to do the math. We, we live in a time in the West right now where things are kind of falling apart. And where, whether we would like to admit it or not, we as Christians have found so much of our stability and our comfort in the security of worldly systems. Thinking that the gospel is spread by our wealth and not by the Spirit. Thinking that people's lives are changed by our techniques instead of his love. The techniques can be great, and it takes money to do stuff. I don't want to set up a false dichotomy. But we have been thinking, because of this whole thing with the baby boom and how we came out of World War II in the West as this like economic superpower, we've been thinking, I think, wrongly about how much we just need Jesus. Because there hasn't been somebody with a gun saying, there's three of you, blah, blah, blah. And it lets us do church without discovering necessarily that the love of Jesus is more precious than life itself. Which is what God's desire is for us. That's the Father's desire, is that we would know the height and the depth and the width and the breadth and to know the love of Christ and that it's better than life. And that it's better than life. But I think, I could be wrong, but I think that God is going to gift the church with the opportunity to rediscover the treasures of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit by letting things get worse and harder for quite a while. So, I've got some balloons here. There's going to be some loud noises, so 
you may want to cover your ears at the appropriate time. I just want a visual demonstration. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount that we can't serve both God and mammon. True? Have we maybe in our hearts said, I don't know if that's true, Jesus. I'm going to give it a try. I'm not judging anybody. And I love the gift of business that many people have. And I hear from our business guys, they have a deep longing to let their gifts be used in kingdom ways. Sometimes the struggle with mammon is actually not the business people. It's the unbusiness people who struggle with mammon worship. It's true. Sometimes people who have like less than 10 grand struggle with loving money way more than people who have more than 10 million. It's a hard thing. But we do it, right? And, and the thing about putting our trust in things besides Jesus and his word and the process of discipleship and in true truth is that you always end up getting radically disappointed often with a pop at the end. So people were were really excited about the crypto stuff recently. Anybody? Somebody? I'm still really intrigued about what Bitcoin's going to do once you can't mine anymore. But people were really excited about this. And so they were putting a lot of interest (gasps) into the crypto world, right? FTX. (gasps) But that turned out to be a bit of a bust. And people were saying, crypto's no good. You need to depend on the banks, right? And then all of a sudden, Silicon Valley is, is like Silicon Valley Bank, the most known bank in the world. And they're saying it's fine. Everything's stable. And then you hear a little bit that Credit Suisse isn't doing so good anymore. You need to force a merger on those guys so they don't destroy half of Europe. And then they tell you that that's the last thing that's going to happen. But then Deutsche Bank is also apparently right on the rocks as well. And something's going to need to happen there. Because we think that money is something, and if you just keep turning on the presses and, and set it up, I love that my, my Twitter meme Bluetooth, they're so funny. I don't know any of them, but they, they just, whenever this stuff happens, they, they say like, money press go, they just turn it up to Gatling gun mode. Because you think that if you just keep printing the money, the money means something. But it doesn't. The, the like economy of Canada is the same size as it was before they printed 40% of all the dollars that existed in the last few years or whatever. And eventually, with everything people put their trust in besides God, there's a moment when circumstances come along. Now, I do have a little knife here. This is my knockoff Leatherman. This is the time to plug your ears if you want to. Um, so... I'm an uncorded pastor with a knife on stage, which means if, if somebody rushes the stage, we're both going to end up in the emerge. So along comes, oh, along comes, yeah, see? Good. There's a pop. And I hope the pop isn't too bad. 
I don't, I don't want people to be broke. But there have been some really bad pops before. We call them the dirty 30s, the Great Depression, the time when all the systems and all the excitement people had in the systems melted down. Uh, your grandpa tell me stories about hitching rides on trains across Canada looking for work. I think they were real. They were good stories. The only reason I said that is because I was telling one of your uncles about some of these stories, and he said, I'd never heard those stories before. But most of us have no idea what it's like to go through tremendous financial hardship. And it could happen. Because the more confidence we put in something, the more God needs to deal with that idol. Okay. Anybody notice that we're putting a lot of trust in our human sexuality these days in order to be what satisfied us and takes care of us and meets our needs? could be the feeling like you get to do whatever you want. Maybe you write off some passages of Scripture as just being something that happened in the old days. Uh, Maybe you start uh, advocating for young people that they can do things to their bodies when they're young and there won't be any consequences or they won't ever regret it. Uh, Maybe women who believe that women are actually a thing Uh, start needing to get attacked in public for saying things like women are adult human females. Sometimes it goes like that. Where it falls apart. I'm not a prophet. But reading the past and projecting it into the future, I think Canada's probably already sitting on about $100 billion worth of lawsuits for underage people who had irreversible surgeries done against them by the government who will become adults and say, how could you let this happen? At least $100 billion worth of lawsuits. Maybe more. And my concern is that this... this need to express control over our lives and achieve a freedom that no human being can threaten or, or sickness can threaten or money can threaten. The, the progression is that changing your body isn't enough. Because as long as you have a body, you are still capable of getting hurt. No matter what you've done to it, as long as you have a body, you still are capable of feeling judged, feeling insulted, feeling hurt. And the real progression is that eventually, and it could be soon, we're going to need to start celebrating youth ending their own lives through MAID in high school if we're going to actually support people's desires to be free. Because the ultimate freedom for people who don't know God is to reject life itself. It's the only way to get away from pain and the only way to get away from suffering is to not be alive. And it's already happening in Canada to to define freedom as the ability to not be alive anymore. And if we're going to be consistent as a culture, it needs to start going into the schools as something we advocate for the kids to do. 
unless God does something. And the church says yes. I know it doesn't make sense, and you might think that how could that ever happen? But we're already like 50 miles into how could this ever happen? I'm not judging anybody. I'm not threatening anybody. I want you to be as joyfully free as you can be in your life. But we have people in this room who have given themselves to the kind of freedom that the world talks about and just testified that there is bondage and imprisonment in that and that there is real, joyful, problem-overcoming freedom in trusting the words of Jesus. And being taught how to think and how to live by him. And wanting the freedom that comes from obedience to God himself. I don't want you to have pops. Because not everybody survives the pop. I've got a few more minutes. Can I go into the rant zone? Okay, I want you to be free. Okay. Weird things are happening at Calvary. Um, There's still lots of people here joining us from other churches. It it makes me feel weird. Um, But I was weird to start off with, so that I just said it makes me feel like myself, which is, I've just nullified that statement. This is my heart for all of us who are, have been through Steinbeck churches in the last little bit. You need to know that it is a gift from your disciple maker. And that having church hurt is so that we can sympathize with Jesus. Because the church has not hurt anybody more than they've hurt Jesus. Every day we devalue him. Every day we reject him. Every day we, we choose something as more important than him. Every single day we do things that don't treat Jesus the way he deserves. He was tortured for his people. So deeply rejected. And yet loved and forgives and comes back to his church to bless us and be wholeheartedly for us. And how are we going to ever know Christ and have the same heart as Christ unless we have to love people who have hurt us? This is the only way to be like Jesus when it comes to the church, is to be deeply hurt and deeply disappointed and then find the love of God for the church afresh and love her by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need this kind of stuff. Because sometimes being hurt by the church and coming back to the church is how you get free from the fear of the church. The only way you can prove that you're not under religion anymore is if you can love the people who still are with the love that Jesus has for them. That's real freedom because then you know you're serving the Lord. 
One of the weirdest things about Jesus is when he talks about how we should live as Christians, he doesn't go to the motivations that we usually go to. When he tells us, you need to learn how to love your enemy, he doesn't say, because when your enemy feels your love, they'll notice how tender you are, they'll think you're a good person, their heart will be open to Jesus, you'll tell them the gospel, then they'll get saved, and then they'll give you a bunch of money, and they'll name their cat after you. He does not talk about this kind of Disney sports hero movie where there's that Aw, shucks, small guy who wants to join the football team, but he's bullied by the other guys on the foot team, but he's a real stick to type guy, and then he becomes the field goal kicker, and then that guy says, you know what, you did okay, Chuck, and then the te- top cheerleader's like, I'm already dating the other guy, but I'll give you a kiss, and then it's all, and then little short Chuck has all his dreams come true. Instead, what Jesus says is you need to learn to love your enemy so that you can be perfect like your father in heaven is perfect. And he makes the motivation for humility and the motivation for forgiveness and the motivation for giving and the motivation for not being angry and the motivation for getting over your sexual temptations. He makes it all him and his dad. We have sexual temptation so that we can learn to trust Jesus. We have anger problems so that we can know the Father. We have giving issues so that we can walk in the Spirit. Everything is about finding the treasure of Jesus in this life. Because Jesus was the only man who's ever walked on the earth who was 100% motivated for the glory of his Father. Even to the point of going to the Garden of Gethsemane. even talk about this story guys and kneeling before his father who he has loved forever and who has loved him forever the father and the son united in perfect joyful peaceful patient glorious overflowing love forever And it's the Father's will that Jesus would go to the cross and though he's sinless, be treated as sin itself by the Father. And you can imagine he kind of didn't want to do it. Because if you know the love of the Father, why would you ever want to see his face of kindness turned away and his face of wrath turned towards you? And so he's in the garden And he's praying, and the intensity of this facing this choice is so strong that he's bleeding out of his skin. I can't even hardly think about it. But then he says, you know, not my will, but your will be done. This is one of the craziest, theologically complex, most holy moments in all of human history that Jesus, the incarnate Son, would be able to express that for the love of the Father, he didn't want to do the Father's will, but for the love of the Father, he would do the Father's will. And he only did it... I know we sing songs about how Jesus would do it for any one person. You know? Above all, you know, he did it for me above all. And yes, he loves his church and he was thinking of us and he wants us. But the reality is, is he did it because he loved his father, which is the right motivation. 
And so we are called to be like Jesus, that all of our freedom would be whatever gets me the Father is freedom. Our freedom is whatever keeps me walking in faith and trust with Jesus is freedom. Whatever is the will of the Holy Spirit expressed in the Spirit's book is freedom. Because you get Him. You get Him. This This is the point of living, is to get the Father. The point of suffering is to get the Father. The point of sex is to get the Father. The point of life is to get the Father. And if you know the Father, you live forever with the Father. But if we trade the Father for something the Father has made, we lose Him and His creation forever. So young people, do you know how old you have to be in order to have an awesome walk with Jesus? You just have to be alive today. That's how old you need to be. I know they say it, that young people are often just waiting around. Waiting around for the old, old toots. <laughs> to give them permission to do something. That's not me. You can be walking in the Spirit today, if that's what you want. But if it's not happening, you go back to, maybe it's because you don't actually want it. Where's your, where's your heart? Where's your desires? What do you really want? Do you want to serve Jesus? You will get it, starting today. But if it's not happening, maybe you've got to get back to your heart and be like, no, I don't want to serve Jesus. No, I'm just... I'm afraid Jesus can help you with that, or I'm selfish. (laughs) Most of our culture, freedom is the definition of getting celebrated for selfishness. If you will celebrate my selfishness, I will celebrate yours. Unless you want what I want, then I'll punch you in the throat. Okay, we got time. We're going to pray for people. Prayer team, you ready to go? Band, you ready to go? I know you're going to want to. Don't get too loud. Okay? You're going to want to like go like, no. Because we want to hear people praying this time for sure. We're going to pray for whoever wants to get filled with the Holy Spirit afresh. If that's what you want, it's going to cost you. going to cost you but if it sounds that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you can come and you can get prayed afresh to be filled with the Holy Spirit who is freedom the Holy Spirit is freedom and we're going to pray for you okay Father God band can come up. Actually, Holy Spirit, I give you this time. Would you come even right now? God, this is all just a big show. 
me being silly unless you do something. Holy Spirit, would you start talking to people right now, even what you want to set them free from. You love us. You love them. You see where they're not free yet. You want them to be freer. Would you start bringing stuff to mind? And saints, this is what we do. We have a Lord named Jesus. He's the great forgiver. He wants us to confess it and join with him in agreement. God, I am bound here. And he loves us and we're forgiven, but he wants our relationship restored. So when we know that we've done something against Jesus, we say sorry to Jesus. I'm sorry, Jesus. I've been selfish. Please forgive me. And that helps in time restore that relationship. Holy Spirit, would you be touching people? Lord, when you talked to Jesus and you told these people the truth that you would set them free, they got so offended. Because their pride rose up. You can't tell me I need you. You can't tell me there's something wrong with me. Holy Spirit, would you deliver us from being in control of being controlled by our pride right now? If anybody wants to come forward and someone will pray for you, really encourage you to do it. Jesus will reward you for your act of faith. want to speak if, if you feel like you've been burned this is your thing nice message rob i've been burned i just want to remind you jesus is your healer burns do take time to recover from and they need lots of dressing changes feeling burned can't be left to heal on its own Needs lots of talking, needs lots of love, needs lots of attention. I just want to say you can get free though. Saint of Christ, don't ignore it if you feel like you've been burned. Okay. We're just going to give some time to the Lord. You can meet with Him where you are, you can come forward. 
be in the presence of Jesus.